like in Psalms 84, verse 10, here the psalmist says that for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. People that know the Lord the way he is will love to be where he is and come and worship him. And we have that privilege every week to come on the day that uh, he led it aside for us to spend time with him. And uh, it's a real blessing for uh, for me and uh, I hope for you too. Um, in my... Uh, trying to witness to the Lord, many times I'm amazed of some of the things people believe. And uh, when uh, I'm trying to find out how they can believe that, it's mind-boggling to see what people can believe. And I work now with a gentleman, and uh, he's very religious, but uh, he does not read the Bible. But he has kind of a... a good sense, and he figures out things are not properly and things are right. And The sad part is, you know, he's very much influenced by the European kind of Eastern Orthodox religion, that it's lots of ritual and that. And he was telling me stories about visiting monastery and seeing all those relics, the bones of a certain saint that they kind of keep, and then they explained to me they had the bones of a saint that was kind of in a in a box, and uh, it was the skull there, and all the other bones, and people would just go and touch them and hope they will get some virtue and become holier by touching those bones. And so he has lots of all these things, and he was telling me about the holy water and all this kind of stuff, and he goes to a church and uh, helps with the, the kitchen for the poor. They have a, uh, how do you call that, a soup kitchen. And uh, But he was telling me, you know, I think the church does not do good with that. It's just encouraged laziness. <laughs> he will tell me, the people that come to eat there, they drive Mercedes and they have all jewels on their hands and that. And they just come there for something free to eat, but they don't come for service and something else. And he and said, they, I don't think they should do those things. And uh, I said, yeah, you know, if you know your Bible, the Bible clearly says he does not want to work, he should not eat. And uh, we should encourage people that don't want to work to have. You know, if you go through a hard time, yeah, it's good to help them, but not encourage, you know. And uh, honestly, you know, the human nature is kind of lazy. I would like just to sit and eat, and you know, by now it's not good, and it's not really. Uh, and so, basically, I'm just thinking about how can I witness to this person and make him think. And what I'm trying to build up is this about the importance of you know the church to follow what the lo- the Lord says in His Word. And I kind of say to him, you know, uh, the Bible says so, and I call to him many times. And the sad part is churches don't follow or go against what the Bible teaches. And uh, the reality is now in the world, many are doing exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches. The Bible real, clearly teaches that the Christians should be for peace and peacemakers. They are blessed and that. But now many are more and more a 
Christian so-called approved of war and going to war and attacking others and starting a war. When I think that Christians should work to the uttermost for peace and uh, be against war. Uh, and uh, maybe at least we should learn lessons from history that uh, most of the wars didn't have a good outcome and uh, we did mostly war. But what I'm trying to uh, make you think about this and... Uh, is the importance of um, obeying the Lord and what he said and what he communicated to us. And my starting verse will be uh, in Romans chapter 6, verses uh, 16 to 17. I like to, uh, for us to meditate a little bit about what is this message that Paul is trying to communicate to us. Romans chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. And uh, here is a very good admonition of Paul, and there is a principle that uh, we should live by. And uh, the Bible says here in uh, Romans 6, 16 to 18, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So my idea is this one, that we should uh, be careful whom we obey when we do certain things, especially in matter of spirituality and religion. And the principle is this one, uh, that we should obey God and what he told us in the Bible. And uh, doing that, we will become um, the servants of, of, of God through righteousness. But here is uh, another principle. And in verse 17, it says that, uh, But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which we was delivered you. And doctrine, it's, uh, if you want to try me to, if I'll try to give you an explanation, my own, it's basically, it's um, trying to say what the Bible means when it says. The doctrine try to explain to you what really the Bible means. And the doctrine is uh, something that should be a help for us to understand the requirements, and uh, we should obey those requirements. The only problem is uh, there is a true doctrine, and there is lots of false doctrines. So we have to make sure we obey the, the right doctrine. And uh, I'd just like to emphasize, uh, put some emphasis on about the need of having the right doctrine. Uh, let's read in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 2 and 4. There is a principle that will help us to discern be between all these doctrines that are in the world. And uh, in Proverbs... Uh, 4, verses 2 and 4. For I gave you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. He taught me also and said unto me, 
Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. So here we see that the good doctrine, it's linked with uh, the law, the law of God. And uh, we know also that uh, when it comes to a doctrine, we should apply that test. Uh, that also we find in Isaiah. When there is a difference and you cannot really understand what the doctrine or maybe it's a confusing thing. Let's see how that doctrine do comparing to the law of God. And if it contradicts, it's clearly a false doctrine. Here is a Isaiah, in, cha- in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. It talks here about all this uh, idea that goes around. And here uh, is the principle that God had established to the prophet. And the principle is this, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. The principle is this one. All the doctrines should not contradict the Ten Commandments. To illustrate this, I'll give you one example. There is a church that goes around trying to convince people that the Bible uh, record of creation, that the, the world was created in seven days, uh, seven liter or 24 hours day actually doesn't mean that that uh, when the Bible says a day that might have been a thousand years and then they go you know in the Greek world and that and try to confuse people but if you take the Ten Commandments and try to see if there is something you can use as a test the, se- the fourth commandment clearly teaches about the Sabbath and says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Sixth day you should work and do all of it. But the seventh day is the Sabbath. So the principle from the fourth commandment is clearly. You keep the seven, one of the day from the, uh, the week. Because that's how God created the world. And he sanctified the day. Basically, you know, if, you, if there was not a 24 hours creation, then the Sabbath is gone also. So then I think you should be more carefully about the doctrine, and I'm more than sure convinced that the doctrine is not true. Because if you, if, if you apply good sense, you know, if you accept that, you know, the record is not really uh, 24 hours, then, you know, in the third day God created the, the green stuff or the vegetation, and in the uh, fourth day he created the, uh, the animals and that. Uh, and uh, I mean the insects and all the other stuff and uh, if there was a thousand years they tried to you know they could not pollinate the light was not there in the fourth day actually was created the light and the vegetation would have been perished so it contradicts even the good sense and of course it's an attack to faith because you read the Bible and when you read there there was a day and a night that was the fourth day and the fifth day then you are confused, you know, if the Bible says a day, then it's not a day. You are kind of uh, in, the, in the dark. That's why it's very important about the doctrine and comparing and making sure that you accept the right doctrine. And uh, to illustrate more here about this, that uh, about the, 
the ten I mean the, the law of God that is one of the rules of discerning the, the false doctrine uh, from the and uh, the bad ones. In Matthew chapter five, here Christ talks about the importance of God's law. And you know, he even uh, addressed the thinking of some people because, you know, he started the Sermon on the Mountain, recorded in Matthew chapter 5. And um, I don't know what people were thinking. But uh, here Christ says in verse 17, Think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Here Christ clearly said, I did not come to uh, to destroy or the Lord, the prophets. I came to fulfill. Fulfill is the word I come to do and apply, the, you know, and live by the law and, and do what the law says. And so here Christ clearly says that, there will be many that will come and teach that, you know, but Christ said those will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. It might be they won't be there, the least ones. And, uh, but whoever will uh, do teach the law and the prophet, the same shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, the importance of doctrine, it's uh, fundamental because, you know, when Christ was teaching here, the people were confused because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were teaching one thing and Christ it seemed to be an opposite. From all the records in the, in the gospel, I chose one in Matthew 7, 28 and 29. And uh, here, uh, the, you know, after he finished the Sermon on the Mountain, people were kind of Astonished, the Bible says, you know, using a word more kind of confused. And they didn't know, hey, uh, this is uh, different than what we hear preaching the synagogue. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended. So uh, Matthew 7, 28 and 29. Uh, I have to keep in mind that I have to give you time. You can follow in the Bible. And if I forget that, make a sign about that. You need to know the Bible verse. So Matthew 7, 28 and 29 says, And it came to pass, when Jesus has ended this saying, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not, and not as the scribes. So there was a little bit of difference the way Jesus taught them and the Pharisees. And there is a... Um, there is a warning that Jesus gave about, the, you know, when he was talking with the disciples and warned them about the leaven of the Pharisee. That's recorded in Matthew 16, verse 12. And uh, at first, the disciple could not make sense about what Christ was talking. 
And then Christ had explained to them that he was talking about the doctrines of the, the Pharisees. Matthew 16, verse 12. And, you know, uh, prior with, to that, uh, there are some verses that talks about, you know, uh, Christ says uh, in verse 6, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then in verse 12, uh, Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And the importance of that is because, you know, we act on what we believe. You accept something, and in time, you will act accordingly. If you believe something is wrong, it kind of you will restrain from doing that. If you believe it's good to do that, you will, it's very possible you will try to do that. And of course, we have that, those moral standards. When we believe that God teaches that, we will kind of, in our mind, say, I'll never do that by God's grace. Or I will do that if God teaches us to do those things. So that's why doctrine is very important because it, it kind of uh, makes us uh, uh, to do certain things and not do them and uh, restrain us from, from good or doing bad things. And the doctrine is the one that kind of explains to us what the Bible really teaches, and that's why it's very important. But nowadays, you know, people will talk only about, oh, you need a, a relationship. That's why they, the, the magic word nowadays, it's relationship. You, you have to talk with and have a relationship with Jesus and that. I would just ask you, I'd like to ask you, does G, uh does Satan has a relations with uh, with Jesus? Do they have a relation going on? What do you think? No. Yeah, it goes. It's a hatred. Is that a relation? Hatred. You know, Satan hates Christ and wants to. Uh, I mean, he he wants to, but he cannot destroy Christ. And uh, when he was on the earth, was killed by him. But. Uh, uh, the, the idea is the Bible puts emphasis about obeying God and what he says, that that's very important. But talking about doctrine and the importance of the right doctrine, so Christ clearly said to make sure you accept the right doctrine. There's a prophecy about the end time that says something about the state of the so-called Christian world and uh, that's in, it's in Second Timothy chapter 4. And, uh, and, uh, and verse 3. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. And here Paul talks about the last days. And uh, he talks about that a time will come. And in Second Timothy 4, verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure some doctrine, but after their own lust shall they keep to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from, from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And uh, we see here that... Uh, you know, these things are being fulfilled. And the sad part is, uh, 
you know, when you don't have the right doctrine, you might be in danger of uh, doing the right, wrong things and be found on the, wrong, the losing side. And, uh, you know, uh, many talks about doing for the Lord certain things and that, but we have to make sure that we obey the Lord and do what he said. And, you know, there is so much confusion about, I'll give you, for example, you know, about the Sabbath day. You talk with people say, oh, you know, I know the principle is important. But it doesn't matter what day you do. You know, just keep one day from seven whenever it's convenient for you. And then uh, some other people, you know, say, oh, it's, it's you know, I worship God every day. And uh, so there is the commandment. But, you know, God did not confuse us. The commandment is very clear. And uh, the Bible is very clear that the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. And there is no confusion there. God had, you know, nobody can say, oh, I didn't know what you meant. <laughs> it's very clear. But uh, talking about the obedience and the need of obedience, it basically shows uh, who your allegiance is. I mean, as the Bible says, to whosoever you made servants to obey, his servants you are that you obey, either of sin unto death or obedience to uh, uh, righteousness and basically uh, here is you know the story of I mean many, there are many stories about people uh, choose to disobey God the sad story of the king Saul the first king of Israel is you know when God has sent him to uh, 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 fight somebody and God told him to destroy everything he, ch- he did not obey God he thought he would do something else and from the, what he uh, conquered, he thought to bring some sacrifices to the Lord. But here is what the, the prophet had told him in 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two, And here is a very interesting uh, principle about the importance of obeying what God said. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. And... Uh, Saul was sent to uh, destroy a nation. Uh, and uh, Here in verse 22, it's, uh, And Samuel said, Had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than that the fat of rams. So to obey God is better than sacrifices. That's what the prophet said. And the principle is this one. You know what, what God knows was best for us. And uh, he doesn't mean words as you say. You know, everything that the Lord tells us is all important. And we should learn that we should obey God in every, every word. And the principle, I mean, uh, in Proverbs... Talking about God's word, Proverbs chapter 30 talks about the word of the Lord or the, the word of God. Proverbs chapter 30 verse, uh, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. So every word of God is pure. And uh, when you really know the Lord, 
you will see it's important to obey him in every detail and uh, to do the way. And basically, that's the highest form of worship when you obey God and you show that to love him in every little detail. So you want to please him and do what he said. And of course, when you are born again, you'll understand that that's for your good and it's for your good in spiritual terms and that. And you know, we, you have the story of people that were faithful but not in everything. And then uh, they ended up rebelling against God. Uh, you know, actually, you know, the, first, the story of the first religious kind of fight, it's recorded in Genesis chapter 4. When the first two children that were born in the world, they kind of uh, had a difference of opinion about worship. And uh, one killed the other, and it's the story of Cain and Abel. And uh, let's read it in Genesis chapter 4. And uh, chapter 4, let's uh, let's read verses 3 onward. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the uh, the firstlings of the flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And we see here that in the end, uh, Cain tried to get his brother to join him, and when he refused, he killed him. The idea is this one. They say that both of them, they brought an offering unto the Lord. And both of them, they came to worship the Lord. The only thing is one accepted the way God says that you should worship and you should bring an offering that is, you know, uh, an animal because it taught about Jesus and the shedding of blood and so forth. And basically uh, was an object lesson to teach about what Jesus will do. But the other one said, oh, I worship the Lord the way I want. And when he was not accepted by the Lord, he, uh, instead of repenting, he rebelled. And uh, actually, that was the, the beginning of the wickedness of the world that ended up that God had to destroy the world through a flood. So uh, it's very important to obey the Lord. And... Um, I think we show our respect for him when we are faithful in the little things. Christ actually said in, uh, in verse 646. Uh, no, actually, I'm, it's Luke 646. About many people that were kind of, you know, going around uh, calling him Lord, Lord. Uh, in Luke 6:46, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So, maybe uh, the opposite will be, you know, uh, we shouldn't, uh, we should just do what the Lord says and not go about, you know, claiming to be that. 
The sad part is, you know, many are looking at what the Christians do, and they think, and then they blame Christ for that, or the Christianity. You hear people saying, oh, you know, uh, the Christian had committed so many atrocities also. And I tell no, they were not Christians. They were not Christians. Those people that go and kill in the name of religion, they do not follow Christ. They don't do what Christ says. They are not Christians. If you go and kill somebody that refuses to accept what you have to teach them and preach, you are not a Christian because Christ and the real Christian were dying for what they believe but not killing somebody else. But there is confusion there because people look at what so-called people that call themselves Christian do and they blame it on Christianity. The idea is uh, we have to be a good example and we have Christ as an example that it shows us about what real uh, Christianity means and doing God's will. And uh, to look into more details about what's soon to come, I like to understand that, you know, the issue soon will be about obeying God the way he said we should worship him, and especially the day when he said. You know, many people look around, and, oh, how can I understand God's will, and oh, what's God's will in my life, and so forth. I'll give you one principle here about how can you know a God's will. And it's from Romans chapter 2, verse 8. If you want to know God's will... Uh, you have to study something. And uh, here is what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 2. Uh, verse 8. Actually, here is a principle, and then we'll go more into uh, But unto them that are contagious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. We see here we have to obey the truth, and we have to obey uh, what the Lord said in the Bible. And, uh, and here then it continues and talks about, uh, about the, the importance of the Jewish people. And uh, in verse 18 here it's something linked about how you can understand God's will and approve the things that are excellent in the light of God. And here in verse 18, uh, Paul says, And knoweth his will and approveth the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. So, basically, uh, if you want to understand God's will, you know, you study God's law and you see that's what God wants and that's what his will is because the law really explain what God's will is. And uh, you need to have the uh, spiritual understanding because the, the Bible clearly says that the law is spiritual and the commandment is uh, spiritual also. And uh, I look here about the issue that will soon come up, I think, and everyone will have to choose sides who they will choose to obey. And uh, I will use prophecy. You know, prophecy, God had clearly revealed to us what the issue will be. And we know the issue will be the day of worship, and uh, the issue will be who do you obey. And uh, basically, um, what day you obey. The one that God said, 
or somebody else. And I will use revelation to prove that, you know, in the end time, there will be a power that will be claiming to be in Christ's head, but they will not obey God. And I will use color to demonstrate that. Uh, in Revelation chapter 17, if you bear with me here, it's very interesting how God communicates, you know, many ways in uh, his message about what the end time will bring. And here it describes this power, Antichrist, that is clearly uh, the whore that's seated upon many waters. In Revelation 17, and let's read uh, up to verse uh, 5. And there uh, came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto you the judgment of the great whore that seated upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth, the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abomination and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. Here, this power, we see here, first, the kings of the earth had committed fornication. All the political system is going to be linked with this power and actually is going to be controlled. But I like to look at the colors that the Bible describes it. They are basically, uh, it talks about purple and scarlet color, also about gold and precious stones. So it has all these royalties and all. But, you know, if you look at the high priests and the colors that were in the temple, you'll find scarlet and purple and gold and that. But there was one color that is missing. You know which color is missing from what the high priest had? Blue. Blue. And uh, the blue is the color for obedience. And uh, actually, it's not just my words. I'll give you the Bible principles. Uh, in Numbers 15:38, God had instructed the Israelites to put on the fringe of their clothes a ribbon of blue. Let's read uh, what was the intent for having that ribbon of blue. Numbers 15, 38. 15. Number 15, verse 38. And uh, up to verse 31. Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringers in the borders of their garments throughout their generation, that they put upon the fringe of the border a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye might look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. That's obedience. You remember and you do them. You are obeying me and what I commandment. And that ye seek not after your own heart and seek your own eyes after which you used to go whoring. 
that he might remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. Twice he's repeated the need of obedience. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. We see here the blue, it stands for a reminder for them of the commandments and to obey them and do them. And we see here that in the end time, there will be a power that will come to be, you know, royalty and also, actually it's antichrist, but they will like, they will miss the obedience. And of course, the obedience is about worship and the day of worship. And we know the issue will be Saturday and Sunday. And we see here, more and more people will exalt that false Sabbath and try to see that's going to be the key to solve all these tensions that are in the world. And when they will pass a law, though, they will have to come then and pass a law against those people that their conscience will be bothered of because they don't go along. You know, they'll have a, as you call it, a Sunday law, but they're conscious when they will know that we will worship God on the Sabbath and we won't go. Their conscience will bother them. And once they do not repent, they'll come against those people because that's the principle, you know, like in Cain when he killed Abel, he refused to change and repent, and he cannot kill him. So the issue will be, is very clear, and uh, I think we are closer to there because there's so much upheaval in the world, and people are concerned, oh, they, you know, we, we cannot get along, and, uh, and we need to have, you know, political strife and national strife and all that. And, uh, and, uh, and of course, the key said it's all if the religion will work together. And they are working together, or the religion work together, to be united, but not based on doctrine and truth, but on feelings and a happy mood and that. But they will come and they will uh, try to force everyone to accept a day of worship that is not really a biblical. And then the issue will be for everyone to choose. I appeal to you that... Uh, You'll become and you choose to be a servant to God. And the idea is, the principle is this. To whosoever you make yourself a servant to obey, his servant you are. For me, I know Christ and I see his life and I want to be his servant and I want to live and worship him forever. Because he kind of lived and showed that the law of God is a perfect representation of his character. And of course, the world has kind of forgotten. Of course, they are not coming boldly and saying the law is done away, but the way they teach, they promote, they kind of make you think. You know, if, the, if God had to change the law and that, you know, uh, and change from one day to another, then it might have been at fall with. But the idea is this one. The problem was not with the law of God, the problem was with us because we rebelled against God and his law. The Bible clearly says the law is the truth, the law is perfect, and it doesn't need a judgment or breaking. We need to be adjusted so we can obey. And I think that's the work of Jesus through his grace on our heart, that we will do his law from the heart. And I hope everyone will choose 
to be a servant of God to righteousness by His grace and stand when the world will come against us and we, we, we might see the loss of life it will be faithful but Christ had gave us promises he will be with us and help us through amen for your word and uh, I pray you'll help us to understand the true doctrine and follow that and help us to choose to be your servants and uh, no matter what will happen to, to us I pray dear Lord for those people that have not decided yet for that they will decide it, and they will see that um, all your words are pure, and uh, everything you told us is for our good, and that uh, your law is perfect, and uh, it's a standard of righteousness. And uh, I pray, dear Lord, that all of us will choose to be servants and obedience for righteousness' sake. All this in Jesus' name I ask. Amen.